You are listening to Mountain Bike Radio. Welcome back to another episode of the Apex Nutrition Podcast. Uh, today is something a little bit different. It's going to be Kelly. Uh, I'm going <laughs> to kind of stay back in the background. And uh, we have a special guest today, Scott Thigpen. He recently completed the Riding the Divide from Banff all the way down to the U.S.-Mexico uh, border. And uh, he has worked with Kelly on nutrition Kelly's done nutrition coaching for him, and we wanted to get him on. Kelly, you know, pretty exciting for for Kelly to have somebody do that. So I thought it was pretty yeah. cool to uh, to be able to talk to him, get him on the air, and we can we can chat. Um, this might end up being two. It's for sure, I think, going to be two episodes. So stay tuned to that. It might even be three. So just stay tuned to the page, uh, Facebook, Twitter, and we'll keep you updated. So. Um, that's enough intro. Uh, so Scott, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Yep. And Kelly, um, I'll let you kind of take it from here and then, uh, hopefully people won't mind me jumping in with my questions too. So no, I think it'll be great. And I think you are trying to call me long winded. Um, well, I, I'm just as long winded as you. We, we have to, we are extra long winded. Yeah. When we record regular apex nutrition podcasts, we could probably go for two hours on one episode. Yeah. You know? But <laughs> so. all right. Yeah, so this is very exciting for me. Um, not only just having um, a client, you know, not just finish the Tour Divide, but do awesome in it. But Scott has, um, even though we've never met in person, um, which is the case with most of my clients, um, he's become a friend and it's been very fun to work through this with him and, you know, see him do this and conquer the stream and all of that. So I was very excited that he was willing to come on and, and do this podcast with me. So I'll just kind of start at the beginning. Obviously, we didn't just start working together a week before. We started months and months before. And um, so, Scott, kind of what were your goals when we first started? Uh, actually, I just wanted to lose about 20 or 30 pounds. Uh, there, that, that was that was the big thing. Um, right. And then, you know, move from there. But uh, um, I, I knew when – actually, it was, it was over a year uh, that we were okay. together um, working together. And, and I knew that, that I just – I wanted to do it, and um, the, uh, the the person I thought the the world of Esther Harini, uh who did mm-hmm. it, uh, you know, she had had a she she'd been eating clean and um, and everything. She'd made a post about that uh, before the divide, and I thought, well, that's what I want to do. And uh, so um, uh, after just reading some of your stuff online and um, and some of the recipes you had, I, I thought, boy, I bet she could help out. And it was funny because Scott was doing a post on his site, which is Driven to Divide, um, with the number two, in case people, they definitely should check it out. Um, and we kind of met through a whole different website um, that I post for, lovingthebike.com. But mm-hmm. anyway, Scott. Um, which, by I, the way, is a good site, too, so people should yeah, check that out, too. <laughs> it's an awesome site. Um, a very bike lifestyle and, um, and a lot of road cycling, um, but we won't hold that against them. It's very awesome. <laughs> Um, so anyway, I needed some graphic work done and Scott ended up needing a, um, a person. It was kind of like an interview post that you had and right. it required some sarcasm. I remember. And, um, Daryl of loving the bike thought I might be able to be sarcastic enough <laughs> for you. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, everything I threw at you just to be funny, you, you, you added <laughs> out with, with, uh, with great answers. Actually, I learned a, a whole bunch and I thought, boy, this nutrition stuff, man, it's some serious business. 
had no idea uh, about, you know, just hydration and what fueled you and, and everything. So, yeah, that was huge. Yeah. So we first started out working together with with the goals of weight loss, and then we started throwing in some um, training nutrition and mm-hmm. kind of um, tweaking that and, and focusing in on that. But in the beginning, it was obviously much shorter. Um, right? You might have been in – we went through cyclocross together, I think. Right. Um, right. And then you started doing the long weekends of training in these huge weeks of, of miles. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at that point you had lost quite a bit of the weight you wanted to, correct? Yeah, that is correct. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But one of the interesting things we saw was as he was losing all this weight and doing these hundreds of miles weeks of training, we saw huge fluctuations in your weight too, which was very interesting. Uh, yeah. Uh, and it, and it still happens, but, um, I mean, and I know you came up with some, um, reasons that it happened but yeah i would i would especially uh the trans north georgia adventure race or adventure ride uh is it's actually coming up in about 17 days uh and i'm not doing it because i I don't want to go through yet another suffer fest but uh (laughs) last year when i did it and i got done um i'd actually packed on weight and uh you know my ankles were huge and my face was all swollen up and um i i well, you you say it better, but uh, it was just uh, my body was just it just got to the point of storing carbs. They it would just you know I would just puff up really bad when it, when I would uh, eat a, an enormous amount of carbs. And generally, after big rides and races, I I, I usually will have a well deserved pizza or three <laughs> pies uh, worth As of it. You should. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, um, That's just recovery, right? Yes, yes, the recovery <laughs> pizza. Um, but, uh, um, it, at least the first pizza is a recovery pizza, the rest of it just straight out guilt. But, uh, but yeah, I would just, uh, I mean, my fingers and, and, uh, and my face and, and ankles would, would all be swollen. And, you know, I thought at one point in time was hyponeutremia, um, hyponeutremia, mm-hmm. but I just yeah. don't think that was the case. I just think it's just, you know, I, I, uh, your plans are generally low carb. So, uh, when I do have really bad uh, carbs, they just, it, it just, my body just it turns into a balloon. Right. And so, and we'll go through some of the details of this in, in a little bit, but basically when, when Scott was more in wanting to, um, to lose weight, we went to a moderately low carb, you know, meaning that he, he had some carbs during the day, but then we kind of backed off of those at night when he didn't need as much energy. But of course for training and especially these long, you know, that tour and any other long training, we added in the full training nutrition that he needed. And what tends to happen, what I found, you know, and I don't know that there's a lot of documentation on this. Um, but what I've found with clients is that as, especially as muscles are building and, you know, we kind of kept measurements and knew that Scott was getting very muscular, um, as muscles build, you just have more ability to store glycogen. And once you do use all those carbs, those fast acting carbs during training and the recovery right afterwards, your muscles just absolutely do store that glycogen. And not only that, but there are fluid shifts that just are unaccounted for one way or the other, whether or not you get in enough sodium, which is, you know, very hard to actually do during it or have enough sodium right afterwards and the fluids. Um, it's just amazing. And I see this, you know, even at, with a lesser degree with people who are doing shorter things, but, you know, still training for a hundred milers and things like that, um, that the days immediately after big train training sessions or races weight is usually at. And I think it is a fluctuation more with, with clients who do go that moderate, moderate, moderately low carb, um, day to day, or like just that really clean eating and not overloading a lot of carbs. Um, but once the carbs come back in for training, you see that and it's not real weight. So we don't worry too much about it, but it was the first couple of times it happened. It was a little bit crazy. Yep. Yep. 
So as we did that, we kind of, um, we worked through all the training nutrition that we've talked about on this podcast so many times, but we kind of came up with a tour divide nutrition checklist. And I do this somewhat with all clients doing any major, um, you know, tour race that, that they hadn't done just the logistics more than anything. What I find happens with a lot of clients, even at, um, shorter race love, you know, most anything is going to be shorter than this. Um, Um, but you know, so this is like an extreme example, but but a lot of, you know, quote unquote failure that happens is, is due to logistics as far as nutrition goes, is really thinking through, okay, this is what I need, but is that even going to be accessible? How am I going to carry it? Not only how am I going to carry it, but is it in a place where I can eat or drink it without having to stop all the time? What's going to be on the, you know, town to town, or if it's a shorter one, aid stations or whatever, what's actually going to be there. Um, so just really the logistics of things. And of course, with this, it's an extreme example of logistics. So um, I'll just kind of run through some of the things and Scott, you can fill us in on, on sure. what you did, what we planned and then what you actually did. We haven't had a t- chance to talk really with how it actually turned out on the tour. So it'll be fun for me to hear what, what worked and then what you had to throw out of our plans. Um, so we started, you know, with our checklist with breakfast every day that, you know, before he started writing, we'd have breakfast. And one of the things I, um, we discussed, and this was one of those things that may or may have not gotten thrown out just cause I know hunger level out there must've been just insane. Um, but we didn't want to start with too huge of a breakfast, nor did we want to overload any time during the, the writing part of the day. Um, just because, you know, the diversion of, of blood flow to the stomach, leaving your legs a little bit tired, um, also just the risk of stomach cramps and issues and things like that. So we talked about having a breakfast that wasn't too big, um, you know, just 400 to 500, somewhere in that calories and, um, was easy to digest. Nothing too, too crazy eggs and bacon and toast and all that sounds good. And that I'm sure that happened, but, um, but they're definitely stomach price to pay for things like that too. So what was breakfast like out there? Um, well, it, it, for, you know, training, I've always been, you know, super diligent, you know, to have an avocado and a chicken link sausage and a wedge of cheese in the morning, which is what you prescribed and it works great and I love it. And it, it fuels you really well. Sadly, uh, avocados <laughs> don't travel very well, yeah. uh, nor, uh, can you really get them? Uh, around the area. So some mornings were beef jerky because that's all I had my hands yeah. on. Uh, other mornings were the bacon and eggs because yeah, hunger was bad. But what I tried to stay on generally was, was around four or 500 calories, but you're, you're so limited to what you yeah. can get a lot of times, especially in the morning. Um, I, I, you know, I, I went to, I, I would go into a, a, a grocery store or not a grocery store, but I go into a, uh, a, a convenience store because that's usually what if you could find that, that's what you had. And, and I would just get, you know, I would try to mimic, uh, what I would eat normally, but vegetables were just out the door. So a right. fruit, uh, for sugar. Um, and my stomach can digest it really well. Other people don't, but beef jerky was, was a godsend for me. So I would, yeah. I would eat a piece of beef jerky and then, um, uh, some water and, and, uh, and grape juice, uh, uh just to kind of have something to, to work off of. That is if I was lucky enough to find that. Uh, a lot of times it was if I was in the middle of the woods, I woke up and I had to dig through my bike and say, well, there's a Skittle and one peanut, <laughs> yeah. one peanut M&M and, uh, here's hoping I can get to the next, uh, place. Uh, but it's true. Um, there was, uh, there was one place, uh, it was in Montana after Columbia Falls called Echo, 
um, cafe, I think, or the Echo Cafe. And uh, uh, Hunger just got the best of me. I ordered pancakes and eggs and I think another set of pancakes and bacon. And then we got on the road and it was a flat for about one mile. And then it pitched up for about a good 10 miles of a climb. And uh, I think for the next, um, oh, four hours, four and a half hours, uh, I thought I was going to throw up. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, and I don't know if you've ever covered this in your show, but stomach rot, where uh, stuff just sits in your stomach and won't go away. Uh, and you could probably explain more about when you're in you're in a riding position, you don't digest as well. Right. And it just it just sat there. And I really thought I was going to quit. Uh, at one point in time, I thought if this doesn't get any better, I'm, I'm just going to quit. I'm going to stop, you know, because I, I, I was like, if I can't get food uh, to digest, this is impossible. So, um, like I said, it was a delicate balance of, you know, uh, don't go too heavy, uh, but, uh, you know, get, get enough calories. However, uh, by the time I got to the end of Colorado and the first New Mexico, it really didn't matter what I ate. Uh, my stomach <laughs> was just completely tearing it to shreds and, and, the uh, hollow leg kind of just gone mm-hmm. through. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, I tried, especially for breakfast, I tried to stay, uh, you know, just uh, in the four or 500, uh, calorie, uh, realm. Yeah. And that was, you know, I, that, that balance was, was the big deal. And, you know, as I wrote out our plan, you do feel bad because you're like, my gosh, why am I telling him only, you know, 400 to 500 calories, obviously he's burning more than that. His body could use more than that. But that scenario is exactly what went through my head that, you know, whenever you're on the bike for one, you're not upright. You're, you know, your, your digestive tract is pretty much squashed right there. Um, you're demanding a lot of blood flow to your legs and not to your digestive tract, which needs it in order to digest. And so a lot of times in that position and in that circumstance, especially with an uphill grind and you're not on a flat, mm-hmm. it, it's just not going anywhere. It just can't. So I can imagine it anywhere but up. But so yes. that's not what we want. So, so yeah. Um, and then kind of the next thing we talked about, you know, and we, I, I knew that, you know, what we laid out as a plan and convenience stores and stuff, it, things were going to get thrown out the window a bit. And we did talk about, okay, so what is um, available at a convenience store? And we talked about beef jerky and peanut butter M&Ms and Snickers. And um, our drink was generally kind of a homebrew of grape juice and sugar and water and salt, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was wonderful. <laughs> and we knew how many packets of sugar you needed mm-hmm. in case you had to kind of swipe them from a little sugar caddy or um, salt or or whatever, the, the packets, because um, we knew that's what it might come to. As much as, as much as you might want a real boutique drink out there, probably not going to, to find it. No, actually, um, in Canada, in Sparwood, um, I, I went into a gas station and got per, uh, the, the grape juice and, <laughs> uh, was diluting it and everything. And I went up and I said, Hey, do you have any sugar, uh, packets? <laughs> and, and the lady just looked at me and said, no, most people work for a living and just bring their sugar here with them to get their coffee. I was like, oh, okay. I don't know how they do it in Canada and America. We used to have <laughs> sugar packets everywhere, but yeah, that one was, that, that was kind of wild. Um, never, yeah. uh, so, uh, but, but yeah, when I would remember it, um, a lot of times, once again, you would, you would, you would go into a grocery store, or convenience store and just so exhausted. Yeah. I would, I, I just started grabbing things. Um, and a lot of times, uh, Coke. Uh, was a was a yeah. big go to, but but once again, if you overdid it, then you were stuck uh, with uh, with it just swirling around in your stomach, and it, it wouldn't go away. Yeah, um, yeah. And so the next thing we kind of talked about was the hour to hour, and this was something we had done 
for a long time was working on how many um, grams of carbs and milligrams of sodium we wanted per hour. And this kind of applies to everyone because um, as I've discussed before, like it, even the size of the athlete doesn't change this that much. What you're doing doesn't change this that much, but your body can only process so much per hour while you're actively riding or running or whatever you're doing. Um, and it has really nothing to do with anything except for the limiting factor of digestion and how much carbs your body can actually take up. And every time I work with someone who's, um, who's a bigger athlete, especially when they find out that I'm like five foot you know, zero mm-hmm. and um, very small. So they just assume I'm like making this up that this should work for everyone. But really it is about digestion and uptake. Um, it doesn't seem like much, but we talked about just 300 to 400 calories per hour and 90 grams of carbs. And I bet that this, I'm, I'm taking a guess here, but I bet that this was even hard to accomplish that you might've on the meals had to eat more because on the hour to hour, it might've been hard to get this much in um, logistically. So it- what was, yeah, on the bike like? It was, but um, because I've done it so long, um, I'd gotten to, um, but, but I, I believe this is the right thing that you had me doing, but uh, it would be every 20 minutes, uh, take in some liquid nutrition, which I did. Um, mm-hmm. And I had a little timer uh, on my bike computer that would, you know, I could see when 20 minutes was up. And then uh, every hour, take in just a bit of solid, not a lot, but, uh, you know, mm-hmm. and generally that was a big, big to do is like, well, I've got those peanut M&Ms and, uh, they're, they're going to be mine. And, and then in like 15 minutes, which is a whole lot better than saying, well, this mile is taking forever because you're going uphill uh, on a mountain. And then at three hours, you'd eat a, 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 a decent amount of, uh, solids. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so I did that religiously and, nice. uh, that, that yeah. I never changed and it worked out. Uh, it, it was wonderful for me. Sadly, sometimes I ran out of food. Um, yeah. and, uh, and I didn't have anything to snack on, but generally I tried to find things that, uh, that I could do that. Uh, and sometimes liquid nutrition was pretty tough, uh, to come by. So you were just kind of yeah. stuck with, uh, water. Uh, but I found, uh, the big thing was, um, when I would take, uh, iodine tablets and, and purify my water, it, it tasted horrible. It was like drinking yeah. pool water. But if I got, uh, Kool-Aid, um, I could, uh, get little packets of Kool-Aid and, and put it in there. So that became my sugar and, and, uh, uh, and, and, uh, liquid nutrition intake. Not the best, of course, but you got to work with what you got. Uh, oh, I've there, used so. Kool-Aid for years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't uh, uh, yeah, it was wonderful. So that, that I never really deviated from. I was pretty religious about that, uh, unless I was just out of nutrition, uh, which did happen, but, uh, yeah, uh, yeah it was great. That's awesome. And you, we did talk once on the phone that you felt like you were like dealing some sort of powdered drug out there because you did for a while at least have L-glutamine powder and branching mm-hmm. amino acid powders on you, right? Yeah. So, um, I, I, I had, I, I had the powders, um, and, um, and they were just in, in little Ziploc packets. So when I would take them out and start putting them in my drink, I would either get odd stares from either other cyclists or uh, uh, spectators that were looking by. And, you, and, and, of course, it would get all over your hands and your mouth and everything. Like, no, 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 I'm not a crack addict, I promise. This is just – these are supplements. But not supplements like Lance Armstrong has taken. These are right. legal supplements, so I was told. Um, but uh, – Anyway, yeah, they, they worked well and I stuck with uh, the BCAAs, uh, the branch chain amino acids. I, I kind of had to, I, I just didn't have enough room, but uh, L-glutamine, I, I stuck with that and, and still do. And I think that's a, it's a great, it's a great supplement for recovery. Uh, huge, great supplement. Um, and uh, I wish I would have uh, kept the BCAAs during it because I know that's, that's a big help too. And I don't know if you've ever gone into that over your show, but 
yeah. yeah, those are those are wonderful. Probably, but um, yeah, just to remind anyone who hadn't heard of that. So for anything longer than you know three hours, and especially anything longer than five hours, or if you're going to be riding your bike for 21, was it 21 days, Scott? Uh, 23 total. 23 days. <laughs> then these can come in handy. The L-glutamine is a specific amino acid that um, is used by the stomach and gut cells and the skeletal muscles. And generally, when someone is um, very active your body will run out of them in one place or the other. And it potentially could be a reason why people have so many um, stomach and digestion problems while they train. Um, but definitely it has to do with um, muscle fatigue and recovery. So if you can get them while you're active and then afterwards as well, then that's just a, a great thing to do. The branching amino acids have the same sort of thing going on with the skeletal muscles that you run low and your body can't keep up unless you're supplementing them. But the interesting thing about those is they also cross the blood-brain barrier, which not all nutrients are able to do. And they um, may have something to do with mental fatigue, decreasing it if you get enough. And sometimes, you know, walls are um, mental. And if you can kind of get over that, um, then you can keep going physically. And um, and that is one claim of branching amino acids. And, you know, as far as my experience with them, the, the L-glutamine specifically, client after client has just really felt like within a week of trying um, that that their soreness and recovery, their soreness is um, diminished and their recovery is really improved. So that's what we've been kind of doing and what Scott did throughout. Yep. So, uh, that's great. So, yeah, we, um, we talked a little bit about at the end of your day. So this kind of covers it. Did you take a lunch break usually, or did you just kind of keep going with it every three hours? I tried to go with every three hours. I don't, yeah. uh, because I'm a slower rider. Um, I'm just, I just can't really hammer it. And I was on a single speed, so it's not like I could just, uh, take off uh, like lightning on flats or anything. Um, I, I would not take breaks. I just mm -hmm. didn't like taking them. So generally, if, um, if I had to stop for just a minute, you know, at the three hour mark and shove some, uh, nutrition down my mouth, I'd do that. But, uh, I was with a couple of guys one time and we stopped and, and had a, a fairly big lunch and, and my, my legs and the lactic acid and everything just, it was, was terrible, uh, starting yeah. back. So, um, you know, other than, uh, stopping for the evening, uh, I would, uh, I would, I would just continue to ride. Yeah. And I think that's great because that's what I find even when people are just doing things like centuries is as soon as you stop for the all you can eat buffet or whatever at lunch, because, mm -hmm. you know, you're going to be starving. And so you're not going to be able to say, eh, I'm only going to have, you know, the light, um, you know, something that's not overloading my stomach. You're going to eat too much. And also I, I know with me anyway, that definitely your legs get sore as soon as you um, stop going. And that's a hard thing. And then if you've also overloaded your stomach, then you're just going to have some problems. So so that's great. And uh, that sounds like that went as planned. But at the end of the day, we talked about that you could load up <laughs> once <laughs> you're done writing, that you should absolutely make up for a lot of those calories and try to recover as best you could. Mm -hmm. And and I did, especially okay. in Lincoln, uh, Colorado. There was a, it was a tiny tiny little town and uh there was four or five of us and there was not a lot to pick from but there was a place called the moose juice and they had a uh, all you can eat pasta uh buffet and um i made myself just uh, just sick um i mean I, I i when i got on my bike just to ride back to the place where we were staying um i, I thought i thought the tires were going to pop because i'd consumed uh so much and had never seen my belly just poke out like that but uh but yeah, that was, it, it was both awesome and agonizing that night, uh, but more <laughs> on the awesome side. So, uh, that was the biggest, but usually, um, for dinner, uh, if I could get to a place to eat, 
um, it, uh, it, you know, I would, I, I would chow down on, on, uh, food, but, uh, the, the, of course, the, the bad mistake would be is that, you know, I'd somehow either get talked into or decide it would be a great idea to continue writing even after dinner, which of course oh. doesn't really work <laughs> at all. So, um, usually I would try to take in all my food right, right when I was falling asleep and sometimes would fall asleep, which is food in my mouth, um, cause <laughs> I was so exhausted, which was awesome. Um, especially in bear country, but, uh, uh yeah. So, meat, like on your cheeks. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was great. But, uh, yeah, I was trying to eat a Subway sandwich and it just, I just couldn't, I, I woke up and it was still next to me the, the next morning. So, uh, fortunately, the rest of me was there too and no bear had decided to come walking through or anything. Yeah. I think I read that you didn't see any bears. Not a one. I was really bummed. I, <laughs> I, I mean, as much as I, I make fun that I'm terrified of them and I am, I, oh, yeah. I at least wanted to see one. So I still have yet to see a bear, um, you know, on any of my trips. So that was kind of a bummer. That is. Well, anyway, maybe we can have you out here sometime. Last summer, it was so hot just here in the Denver area that all the trees bore fruit and there were bears like in the backyards every, we had to clean up after them quite a few days of the summer. So I was bummed that you didn't see any out there. Yeah. <laughs> maybe next tour divide, which will never happen, but. <laughs> oh, come uh, on. Not yeah. No, no. I Does think anyone once... do back to back on tour divides? Um, uh, there's the triple crown, um, uh, which, uh, uh, several people have done, which you do the Arizona trail race, then the okay. tour divide, then the Colorado trail race. Um, oh, it's a level of insanity. I just don't have. No. Yeah. Yeah. And just that is going to, it definitely is awesome that people do that, but also breaking down the body for sure. Mm. Too. Um, so, so some like fancier foods we talked about, and I don't know if you used any of these, so I'm interested. Did you pack any like organic coconut oil in your like in a Nalgene or a bottle or anything like that? Uh, I tried it first. Uh, it, it was a mess. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. and if people don't know, it's liquid. It's solid at like below seventy eight degrees, but liquid after that. So, mm-hmm. so uh, it's it was- my yeah, it's my all time favorite. I love it. Um, it's uh, it's great. But uh, um, and uh, would use it on several things. But just any just trying to take it uh, on such a, a long ride is just oh, yeah. nigh impossible. But, you know, when when I would train and I would be done and go back to my truck, you know, I would either have it mixed for recovery or or have it, you know, just to, to take in as nutrition. It was wonderful. Loved it. Yeah. How about the PB2? We've used that. That's the um, defatted peanut butter powder. Yeah, I tried really <laughs> hard. Uh, that got, I think after day two, I just took all the bags and tossed it out. It, in theory, it's great. Um, but when you sit down and go, I, I'd packed, you know, I'd made up a, a pre-mix and I thought, well, I'll just pour water in this little bag, but you'd have to filter the water. Then you put it in the bag and you're like, well, hell, where did I put a spoon? And you realize the spoon <laughs> bounced out of your bag three uh hours ago and you're trying to eat it with your fingers and and then Uh you get back on the handlebars and the handlebars now smell or your grips smell like uh peanut butter so (laughs) it just didn't work but i can tell you one bear is probably really happy right about now because there's some pb2 for him to munch on that's Um, why i didn't see him yes like three miles behind you (laughs) yeah yeah he he had stomach rot uh coming after me (laughs) But, uh, yeah, that was, I really wanted the PB2 to work because it's really awesome and I like uh, using it and, and it's tasty and everything and light, but it just did not, but I, it did not work for the tour divide, sadly. Sure. Yeah. Some things just, just weren't going to. So is there anything right afterwards that you couldn't, couldn't stand the thought of eating? Um, yeah. Candy. 
Um, I, uh-huh. I, I hated uh, anything, and I still have had a, an aversion since then to candy bars. I mean, I just don't want them because I ate so many, and, they're, and you know, mm-hmm. Snickers were kind of a go-to. And uh, if I see another spa- Sour Patch Kid, it'll it'll be too soon. <laughs> um, but but that is kind of the perfect food uh, was because uh, Sour Patch Kids didn't melt. Uh, they had sugar and they were bitter. And, yeah, um, so. And and so uh, of course now I have like 800 cavities, but um, you know they they were they were good to that that was a good solid you know every hour to to graze on sometimes and and there was a couple of times it got so hot uh, especially in New Mexico I actually put Sour Patch Kids in my drink so when I did drink I, that that was my liquid nutrition <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. yeah New Mexico is interesting because we were pretty worried about the lack of water and the heat. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it hit 111 at, uh, Antelope Wells. So the last, uh, 65, and, and that was the worst part. I had, um, I guess just fatigue. I didn't really think about it. I thought I only had, um, 35 miles left. And, uh, when I got to Antelope Wells, I saw a sign that said Antelope Wells, you know, and I got excited until I saw 65 miles left. And, that, uh. and now I had not, uh, I budgeted out water and, um, I'm, you know, from the south in the humidity, you know, it's always wet here, but in there it was so arid that your yeah. mouth was going dry all the time. And I was terrified. I was dehydrating. And, and, uh, but I, I just, you know, and, and I'd emailed you and said, well, what I do and, and, uh, in a situation like that. And, and, um, you said to sip. And so what I would do would, would every, I'd go one mile and I would take a sip and go one mile and take a sip. So basically 65 sips. <laughs> and it was it was terrible hot water uh not oh. fun at all but but i'm not dead so um, no no and we talked a little bit about um through new mexico if you could to ride during the cooler mm-hmm. relatively cooler times of the day and maybe try to sleep during the middle of the day did that work or no um a little bit uh there was um uh, my final push um for the tour divide was uh from pie town i got up at four and uh we we pushed out of pie town which was still it, it had rained the night before so even even on into about 10 11 o'clock it was still an overcast and and there was no problem whatsoever um and then um i i timed it out just right that there was a part in new mexico that was uh woods and uh a lot oh. of trees and stuff so there wasn't a problem there and then when i got to silver city um it was two or three in the morning and um i went and i re i refueled and everything and so by the time i hit the desert um i was already a good i'd done a pretty good chunk until the sun came out about you know at 10 o'clock it heated everything up but riding at night was wonderful um i think um a a guy i rode with in the great basin he called it a a temperature sink or something but you know at night it would in the desert it would actually drop down to 65 60 degrees and um, you know, that was wonderful. Um, yeah. you we're getting baked and, and you weren't, you weren't losing as much water, but, uh, the air temperature is tricky because you never really realize that you're, you're, you're losing water. Um, whereas yeah. in the, in the South, you know, here in Alabama, uh, you, you know, quickly cause you just sweated it all out within about 10 seconds, uh, with the, with our wet, humid air. Yeah. Do you think overall, what, what would you say your hydration status is like? Do you feel like at the end you are horribly high dehydrated or? Or did it kind of come and go depending on the parts of the ride? I think it was more a mental thing. Uh, the, like I said, the guy that I rode with for a while, Rich, talked about, and you probably know this too, uh, skin turger, uh, mm-hmm. which is where you can grab, you can pinch your, uh, wrist and, uh, 
And if your uh, skin folds back like or snaps back like elastic, then you still are hydrated. So um, there were a couple of times that I got pretty freaked out uh, in Antelope Wells because I was by myself and uh, and I would pinch my skin and it would it would of course it would flatten right back out and I was like okay just because I think I'm dehydrated I'm not but uh, I I and you told me in an email you know look for being loopy and states of euphoria and stuff like that <laughs> and, and I kind of had those because um, I was. Uh, I had pushed for uh, over a day. I'd, I'd, I'd biked without stopping. And, and, uh, so I was already kind of having these moments of euphoria. So I'd work extra hard to, uh, to make sure that, you know, to, to know the difference of, well, that's sleep deprivation and this is dehydration. But I never really, I don't think I ever suffered any, uh, bouts of dehydration. I just, you know, um, at just in Antelope Wells, I, I, I knew I, I, I knew I wanted water. Uh, yeah. and, uh, you know, and just, I'm just used to drinking a lot of water, but, uh, um, you know, I, I guess that's uh, part of the race is just to see how far your body can be pushed without uh, doing any damage to it. Oh, yeah. And I think a race like this, like you're just going to have deficits. It's just mm-hmm. the way it is. You, know, you oh, can't yeah. possibly carry everything you need and your body can't possibly process everything it's using. So no. both of those things. Yeah. So were you really impressed with anyone, any riders that you rode with the, their nutrition strategies that they have anything that you thought would have been a good idea? Um, the next gosh. time. Gosh. Wow, I didn't really think about that. Um, <laughs> wow, um, you know, no, I, I, you've, you were the best. Um, oh, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, um, I, I don't, um, yeah, a lot of times I would see people just gobble down food. Um, there was one guy I rode with, uh, Eric Foster and he, he was, he was about as big as a toothpick and, uh, he would just clean food, uh, away and just continue to eat. And, and we were at a gas station together and he's like, man, you know, this is the last place for nutrition for a long, long time. You need to stock up. Mm-hmm. So I just got a few things and then he came out with like shopping bags full of stuff. <laughs> And uh, I was like, boy, I don't know where I'm going to put this on my bike. And uh, I thought, well, maybe I should go get some more. And I'm glad I did. But, uh, yeah, uh, most people um, would uh, would just gobble uh, food yeah. down and, and, and I and I would just kind of graze uh, a little bit. So, yeah, I don't doubt yeah, I, I, while I was impressed that people could take down the food where I couldn't, um, I, I never really, you know, most people would actually what what was hard. Most people would stop and take a lunch. And, and I didn't ever want to stop, uh, that, that used to drive me nuts, um, uh, that, so, so not, not tooting my own horn, but, but I actually think you did have a pretty damn good, uh, nutrition plan. Well, thank you. And I, the, the reason it's just always interesting to me because it's not like there's, you know, a textbook to look this up for something like this. And mm-hmm. there's not even that many people who've done it that you can really talk to and, um, try to understand what they did or what worked for them. And a lot of times when, even when I was just trying to research, you know, where you would stop maybe and, you know, what people had done, it was just explained in very general terms. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I'm not sure why. Um, and maybe out there, I just didn't find it. People had really jotted down what they did, but, you know, just so people, so people know kind of what our numbers were, were. So we started with that checklist and, um, breakfast we started um we talked about having carbs having a source of protein and really this was just in the 400 to 500 calorie mm-hmm. mark um i also recommended the bcaa's and the l-glutamine at that time and whatever fluid you could you could have that you wouldn't have to carry then mm-hmm. um hourly was around 300 to 400 calories per hour and that 60 to 90 grams of carbs um 2 to 3 grams of BCAAs and L-glutamine individually, two to three grams each per hour. And like we talked about, you know, those, these are all goals. Um, 
they may or may not happen. Every, right. But, but yeah, that's what we started with. Um, and then every three hours, um, we talked about something more solid, but not too big. So two to 300 calories really was all that was. So it was never like a huge meal again, but just something solid. And um, one thing I've talked about a lot is that when you just go too long with on just liquid nutrition, and I think for like a day long race, people can do it on liquid nutrition, not feel too bad. But sometimes you just get that hollow feeling in your stomach. And, you know, an empty stomach is often what causes some nausea. Um, sometimes it is, in fact, foods that haven't digested. Other times it's just having an empty stomach. So that's one of the points for that. Um, and then at the end of the day, we talked about going all the way up to 1,500 calories for that meal, whatever you could, and not even worrying about it, just but with the goal of right. eating a lot, recovering, and, and it being a lot of calories. And all in all, we were looking for, you know, 9,000 calories per day kind of documented, knowing that you – we're probably burning around 11 and you probably burned more than that 11,000 or more per day. And we wanted to at least make up the majority of those knowing we couldn't make up all of them. Um, but yeah, that's what it was like if people are interested in those numbers. Mm -hmm. I, I'd agree. Um, and, uh, actually at the, the one thing I, I meant to say this earlier, um, I had, um, in Montana and I, I couldn't stop and talk out of Montana, but chicken noodle soup, I, I could have, I could have just continued to eat it and drink it. I actually, I would drink it straight from a can. I know that's nasty and, and I got really horrible looks from people, but, uh, yeah, that was, uh, I, I, I was, it, it, it was like just mother's milk uh, almost was, uh, was chicken noodle soup. Yeah. That's, that's a good one to know for sure. Lots of sodium too mm -hmm. and hydration. So that'd be great. Well, cool. Ben, do you have questions? Uh, no, actually that it was, um, I don't, my question Sorry, I do have a question, but it's not necessarily directly related to the nutrition. My, yeah. my question okay. is more of how do you, you know, on a day-to-day -day basis, how did you focus on, okay, this is my plan, you know, spend all the time riding, talking to people that you're riding with or who you meet and, you know, updating, because you did a great job. You were updating Facebook so you could keep interacting with people that, you know, sitting at their desks or whatever. How did you, was that a hard part of the, the race is like, okay, I need to like go through my checklist of all the things I want to get done today and ride all day? No, uh, because I, I think I have a healthy dose of OCD. So I'm a little different than the normal, but, uh, and, and Kelly can tell you that off the radio show, now, <laughs> but all the obsessive emails I'll send her about weight and nutrition. But so my goal was, um, one, the the way I work is uh, I, I would go okay, Sparwood is 114 miles away. That's really you know 11 10 mile rides. I can do that, and um, and I would break it down and and just do it in little chunks. And it didn't matter if the next town was 300 miles away. In my brain, it was like oh yeah, it's 30 minutes. Um, and I don't know why I think that or not. I mean, it was kind of I, I got in a, a jam a couple of times doing that, but. Uh, what I would do is uh, every so often, I usually rode alone. Uh, like I said, being on a single speed, either I was just faster than people or, or generally I was slower, and uh, especially on flats. So I would have my earphones in, and I just had a, my iPhone has a, I had a Mophie juice pack so I could leave it on, and, and I would hear when service would come through, and I was like, huh, you know, I wonder how much service I'd have. And, and if it was enough, I would do a Facebook update real quick. Um, so, but mainly I would just kind of zone out and, uh, and just pedal. 
um, and know that I would look down and go, well, I'm at mile 50, so 65 more miles to go to the next town. That's not so bad. That's, you know, it's six 10 mile rides. And, uh, and I would just continue to, you know, uh, pedal. And, and if I just basically, it had to be something so super cool for me to go off my bike and video or take a picture of. And, um, if I didn't, if it, if it just wasn't, wasn't there, I would, I wouldn't film it at all. But, you know, if it was something, you know, that I thought would be funny or, <clears throat> uh, or, or informative or just ha- here's how I feel, I would stop and do it. Or generally, the, the, I guess the biggest thing is because I was so used to Kelly's, uh, you know, uh, 20 minutes, 20 minutes, 20 minutes mm-hmm. of liquid nutrition. And then, you know, at, uh, at the one hour mark, take in some solids. But at the three hour mark, I would time it just right that I would just check. And sometimes I'd service on, you know, I could post to Facebook. Sometimes I didn't. Um, and, uh, you know, so, so I guess that's it. I didn't really have, a, I didn't go through a checklist. I just kind of knew by, you know, it was almost like pedaling, you know, you just, you, you get on the bike, your, your body knows what to do. And so, uh, after about three or four days on the tour divide, you just kind of, you, you just kind of knew what to do. Um, and, uh, like I said, through Kelly's, uh, Kelly's training, uh, with the food, I, I, my body just knew when it needed stuff and, and everything. So it was almost like clockwork. All right. Well, you had Bob Costas telling you how cool you were the whole time, right? <laughs> yes, yeah. So that was the that was the big thing is that um, I, there was a there was a race called Southern Cross um, that uh, that's very fun. Uh, it's in Dahlonega, Georgia, and so it's a, a cyclocross race, but you can do mountain bike, and uh, just wasn't feeling very confident about it. And Kelly said, "Well, you know, do the do the newscasters and and uh, and you know, basically voices in your head, but but pretend that uh, you know." Uh, you, you would have ESPN newscasters narrating your, your, your story, uh, or your, your race. And, and it, it works really well, especially when you need to go over that loop or you, or you pat, or you're catching somebody. If you can sort of mimic what, uh, what they do it, especially in, in college, uh, Southern football, um, yeah. it's, it's huge here, you know, and, and, uh, uh, the, the MC's voice uh, would would distort and start screaming and hollering and stuff. So if you could get that in your head, it was a, it was a big, big, huge boost too. So <laughs> yeah, that that's uh, uh you know uh, that that's probably one of the coolest things that that Kelly ever told me what to do, and it was it was great, a uh, big big help. Yeah, I let, actually let him know how crazy I am that these new casters have lived in my head for a while, and especially on the longer races. And their main job is to just like broadcast how great you are. <laughs> And individually, like better than everyone else. And if something goes wrong, they make up all sorts of good excuses about, well, obviously that's going wrong. She just, yeah. whatever, just had a baby, <laughs> yeah. come on, or whatever. And, um, and yeah, so, so yeah, that was kind of our running joke, um, mm-hmm. throughout. And yeah, it always helps me anyway. <laughs> Big help. Interesting. Um, I mean, uh, it, anybody that's listening should try that out uh, in your next race, especially if you're getting clobbered. You know, just yeah. you know, uh, conjure up your favorite news. For me, it was a it was a hometown guy named Bill Yancey. Um, he was he was the MC uh, all the way through our, our high school football game, so I used to love to hear his voice. And um, and so uh, that's who I'd have uh, uh, to, to go through my head. And so it always uh, would give me chills almost. And it was a big, huge boost. Uh, you know, as you were you know, in the middle of nowhere and, and there was nobody to see. And like I said, I was pretty much just alone and, and, uh, I knew there was people behind me and in front of me and that, that was about it. <laughs> it's yeah, unexpected. So I did not uh, figure that we'd be <laughs> ending this with, uh, broadcasters in my ear. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. I think I will. <laughs> I don't know if I want to go there though. It sounds like once you go over that and start doing that, you'd never stop. They don't uh, leave. And- 
Ellen DeGeneres <laughs> has been uh, interviewing me in my headline this year. Oh, my God. She thinks I'm awesome. <laughs> oh, all right. I think that'll do it for this one. Scott, I think I'm going to, I'm going to pick your brain a little bit more in a future episode. Um, okay. Not from a nutrition angle. So listeners, yeah, just tune into that. I'll keep you updated and, um, I don't think it would be anything long, but I just want to, you know, kind of pick his brain as far as the ex- actual experience. Um, so sure. I'd okay, be happy cool. to. All right. So Kelly, thank you. Scott, thank you. Yes. And, uh, thank you so much. This is, uh, I'm just trying to think of a name of a broadcaster that I can act like. But I'll save that for a future uh, one <laughs> once I do yeah, some practice. Yeah. But uh, all right. Thank you. And uh, thank you, everyone, for listening to another episode of the Apex Nutrition Podcast. <laughs>